ladies. Welcome back to the Virtue Podcast. My name is Wendy McGinnis, and today we will be discussing Session 10, which covers Acts 24 through 26. If you've been following along with my previous podcast assignments, you won't be surprised to learn that these chapters also continue the trend and take place in a prison, of course. I feel like I've sat in a damp, musty prison cell with the apostles in chapter 5, Peter in chapter 12, and now Paul in chapters 24 through 26. Who knew we would spend so much time together in prison? If you've looked ahead, you already know that this week's podcast is focused on the unwavering passion of Paul. If Paul was sitting in your small group circles, he would likely introduce himself as Passionate Paul. Over the past few lessons, we've witnessed him lead a team of believers with wise words, a focused life, and a courageous approach. So I think you'll find that session 10 feels like a culmination of sorts. But before we dive into how Passionate Paul earned his nickname, I first wanted to tell you how proud I am of you. We started studying Acts way back in September, and we are just a few weeks away from wrapping it up. If you're like me, it feels easy to say yes to a new commitment, but then it can start to feel hard when life gets busy and competing priorities shift into focus. It takes discipline, accountability, and as you might have predicted, passion to follow through on a commitment. And now we're near the finish line. Well done. So let's get to it. In today's chapters, Luke gives a detailed account of Paul's two-year imprisonment in Herod's palace in Caesarea. During this time, Paul faces not one, not two, but three trials. The first before Felix, the Roman governor of Judea, the second before Felix's successor, Festus, the Roman governor of Caesarea, and the third before King Agrippa and Festus. Paul's enemies claimed he had offended against the law of the Jews, against the temple, and against Caesar. His imprisonment wasn't about justice, but rather the religious establishment trying to maintain power by quashing this new movement of a group of Jews who believed that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. Because of Paul's passion for his newly adopted faith, he boldly defends his innocence as a means to share the good news of the gospel with audiences of both Romans and Jews. Paul's imprisonment brought him the incredible opportunity of having an important audience watch his every move and listen to his personal defense. Because our passage is too long to cover in its entirety in our allotted time, we'll focus on his conversation with King Agrippa in chapter 26. Although we primarily reference chapter 26, there is consistency in all of these trials. The circumstances and political leaders changed, but Paul's passion remained the same. There's no arguing that Paul was a passionate person. So with our time, I want to answer two questions. One, what was Paul passionate about? And two, how can we exemplify Paul's same passionate pursuit? In order to know and appreciate Paul's passionate pursuit, we first need to remember where he started. In Acts 8, Saul, who will become known as Paul, was a leading Pharisee, the strictest of the strict followers of the law and its traditions. He zealously persecuted and imprisoned followers of Jesus since they were viewed as a threat to the current religious power structure. And then in chapter 9, as Saul journeyed to Damascus, an unexpected light from heaven blinded him and stopped him in his zealous tracks. He had a conversation with the voice of the risen Jesus, who told him that he had been chosen and appointed to be Jesus' witness to the Gentiles. His sight returned, and in response to this miraculous encounter, he immediately began to preach that Jesus was the Son of God. He became unstoppable. Can you relate? When we receive undeserved, unexpected, unearned grace, aren't we more inclined to tell others about it? That's exactly what Paul did. Despite opposition, persecution, and death threats, he passionately and relentlessly proclaimed Jesus as Lord and hence has been known for 2,000 years as Passionate Paul. 
Paul saw people as Jesus saw them, lost sheep in need of a shepherd. He believed that he was called to start the conversation and the Holy Spirit would do the work. So off Paul went to countless cities, sharing in prison cells, synagogues, homes, and marketplaces. In Paul's eyes, non-believers were opportunities, not obstacles. He was determined to spread the truth of John 3, 16 through 17. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So what can we learn from Paul's passion that we can apply to our lives? First, how do you define passion? Since you can't answer me back, I pulled some of my Instagram friends and here are some of their responses. Passion is something you can't live without. Passion is a strong feeling. Passion is excitement. It's persistence. Passion is inspiration to do what you love. Passion is intensity. It's your heart's desire. The official Webster definition is a strong and barely controllable emotion. I think that covers all the answers I heard fairly well. Now I want you to pause this podcast and consider two questions. When was the last time you clearly felt passion about something or someone? And when or if did you last have that intense feeling about God? Try to recall the circumstances that existed during that season. Take a second to jot down your thoughts in your lesson book for future discussion. Thanks for unpausing me and coming back. If you did that little exercise, you might be thinking the topic of passion can feel a little bit tricky. It's easy to feel like you either have passion or you don't. But the more I consider it, I believe that passion is something that can be grown, developed, and nurtured. I also believe our passionate feelings can waver in our humanness or based on our circumstances. Something we were once passionate about could now be sitting on the back burner of life. Our passion can ebb and flow. If you're married, think back to your dating years. If you were to measure your relational passion during your first few months of dating on a scale of 1 to 10, it would likely be a 7 plus. Why? Because you were investing time, effort, and energy into that relationship. Things were new, interesting, and exciting. Fast forward to one of those inevitable marital lows and consider your passion level. It was most likely a 4 or below. Why? Because at that moment, you can't recall what drew you to your spouse. You feel disconnected, sad, and hurt. Passion is low, but it's not necessarily gone. It's just unrecognized. It has wavered. In our human relationships, passion can feel conditional or circumstantial. So when we feel our passion waver, we have to fall back on commitment, faith, and trust. In this passage, Paul models how we can choose commitment over our emotions. He could have lost his passion and motivation to serve the Lord because of the discomfort of prison, but instead, he saw his imprisonment through the lens of faith and as a result, was passionate about the possibilities he had in his current, imperfect circumstances. If you think about it, prison brought Paul directly to the power players of the time, two governors, King Agrippa, Caesar, and all who witnessed the trials. While Paul would have likely chosen a different setting for these encounters, God had other plans, and through the lens of faith, Paul saw prison as an opportunity to pursue his passion of sharing the gospel. Paul had a choice. He could look through the worldly lens and quit when things got hard, or he could look through the lens of faith and be used by God to build his kingdom. I believe we face that same choice with our relationships with Jesus. If we stop connecting and investing in our relationship with Him, our passion for Him and our desire to live for Him can waver when things get hard. So how do we develop the unwavering passion we see passionate Paul live out in these three chapters? For note-taking purposes and application, let's use the acrostic passion. 
So P. P is for personalize your message. You don't have to be a professional speaker to share your love of God with others. In Acts 26, Paul's passionate plea to King Agrippa came from a personal place. As I mentioned earlier, Paul had a rocky past, but in verse 9, he openly told King Agrippa about his transformation. He shared that he did many things contrary to the name of Jesus. He shut saints in prison, cast his vote to sentence them to death, punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. Paul could have lived in shame and hid his past beliefs and actions, but instead, he used his story of past failures to build God's kingdom. His testimony showed King Agrippa that while he once persecuted Christians, he was radically changed by his encounter with the way, the truth, and the life, his encounter with Jesus. No one is too far gone to be saved. Without concern for his circumstances, Paul was committed to his cause. Before his conversation and his conversion, he was on a passionate mission to persecute Christians. But after his conversion, he was unstoppable in his mission to serve God, however called to do so. He shared his personal story of being lost in hopes that others would be found. So here's your passion check for the letter P. When was the last time you shared your personal testimony? And more importantly, will you pray that God will provide you with an opportunity to share it this week? A is for affirm boldly. Paul wasn't shy about speaking the truth in love. In Acts 26, 22, Paul says, Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to the small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now that's a mouthful delivered to a powerful person in a stressful and critical conversation. Go Paul. Recently, I was driving my kids to school, and we were memorizing their weekly Bible verse. It was Romans 12, 11 that says, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. After memorizing it, I asked the kids which part of that verse do they think is the hardest to apply. They both responded with the latter, to serve the Lord enthusiastically. They went on to explain that sometimes they feel nervous or embarrassed to tell people about Jesus because they can't predict how they will respond. Can you relate? I could. It can feel scary to share your personal beliefs with people that are important to you when you don't know how they will respond. But what's the alternative? When we don't affirm boldly, we miss the opportunity to serve the Lord and start the conversation. Our desire and response should be similar to Paul's when King Agrippa said, You almost persuaded me to become a Christian. And Paul said, Whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am except for these chains. So here's your passion check for the letter A. In what relationship or conversation can you affirm Jesus's love boldly? S is for sharpen your skills. I think we can all agree that it's one thing to know the gospel and an entirely different thing to share it. Take heart, Paul's confident delivery of the gospel didn't happen overnight, it happened with practice. I imagine that with every person he shared the gospel, his confidence and boldness grew and his delivery improved. Prior to his imprisonment, he shared the gospel frequently and with all types of audiences. And then in chapters 24 through 26, he continued to sharpen his skills in prison with the political VIPs of the day. I read our passage and was blown away by Paul's composure, confidence, and passion to share the gospel despite the listener's response. While the governors intended to use Paul as an advantage with the religious leaders, Paul used this time to practice sharing the gospel and inviting others to believe. He considered his circumstances as an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to work through him. He didn't allow their responses or lack thereof to steal his passion. 
Ultimately, we can practice sharing the gospel and sharpen our skills, but we need to remember that we are not doing this on our own. We are simply the willing vessel being used by God. The Holy Spirit is with us as we plant the seed. We don't need to be uptight about it. God himself will move in the person's life. We can just relax and passionately share the good news and God will do the work. So here's your passion check for the letter S. When was the last time you shared the gospel or invited someone to Bible study or church? Are you sharpening your skills and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you? Okay, the second S is for sacrifice things to make room for Jesus. Author Lisa Turker says, Never is a woman so fulfilled as when she has chosen to underwhelm her schedule so she can let God overwhelm her soul. Paul was forced into a wide-open schedule in prison, so God overwhelmed his soul and his passion overflowed onto others. We, on the other hand, will need to make hard choices to adjust our calendar to make room for him. Making room for Jesus may be saying no to a new social commitment or waking up early or staying up late or cutting back on television or social media. Whatever it is, it will take discipline to sacrifice. Hebrews 12:11 reminds us no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it so here's your passion check for the second s what do you need to let go of to make room for more time with Jesus I is for invest in the right things. Just like an athlete, we need to fuel our body wisely. A professional athlete can't be sustained with Twinkies and Cheetos for long. She needs healthy proteins and carbs to achieve optimal results. Similarly, what we put in our mind will impact what is in our heart and what comes out of our mouth. If we put in biblical truths through God's word, faith, hope, and joy will come out. If we put in junk in the form of trashy TV and social media obsessions, insecurities, discontentment, and depression will come out. Think back to how Paul spent his time in prison. He was busy writing letters to the church, praying for himself and his fellow believers, and sharing the gospel with anyone who would listen. He spoke to Felix and Drusilla repeatedly. Rather than becoming frustrated with their unbelief, he just kept at it. This mindset was not a result of Paul's holiness, but rather the overflow from his time spent in prayer and community with other believers. He was aligned with God, and he saw all people as deserving of salvation. So the passion check for the letter I is, knowing that our passion to serve the Lord grows with time and effort, how can you better connect with God? O, always for overcome distractions and idols. Distractions and idols are Satan's tools to keep us from Jesus. As we learned in lesson five, idols aren't simply physical temples and images. Idolatry is a heart issue, looking to a substitute God instead of the true and living God. Satan wants to make us numb and distract us from our purposes. Oftentimes, these distractions can be disguised as things as simple as social media, technology, travel, food, entertainment. These comforts in and of themselves are not bad as long as we keep them in their rightful place. Maybe you've tripped up in a conviction you once had and because of it, you feel distant from God and your passion has wavered. Confess it to God. Turn from the things that you have elevated into a higher position than Him. Ask a trusted friend for accountability and prayer. It's hard to feel connected to God when we have sin and shame in the relationship. Let go of the bondage and love God again freely. If you've failed in your commitment to be in the Word and you're discouraged because you've neglected Jesus, get back to it today and start fresh. Because when passion outweighs the obstacles, we can overcome. The passion check for the letter O is, what distraction or idol has been holding you back from being passionate for Jesus? And lastly, N is for notice the need. 
Paul was passionate because he recognized that the need to share the gospel was great. He thought less of his own unfair circumstances because he was focused on others. In Acts 26, 22, Paul said, But God has protected me right up to this present time so I can testify to everyone from the least to the greatest. Ladies, we too can see people with the same lens as Paul. When we begin to observe the lost as souls to win for Christ, our passion will be unwavering. The passion check for N is how do you view the lost? So as a quick recap, P is for personalize your message, A is for affirm boldly, S is for sharpen your skills and sacrifice to make room for Jesus, I is for invest in the right things, O is for overcome distractions and obstacles, and N is for notice the need. I want to end our time with the story of a father and son named Dick and Rick Hoyt. Together, these men completed over 1,100 endurance events, including 72 marathons and six Ironman triathlons. These numbers alone are impressive and make these men iconic in the race world. But what puts them in a league of their own is the fact that one of these men was in a wheelchair. Dick pushed his epileptic, quadriplegic son, Rick, in every single running race and pulled him on a raft during swimming. While Rick couldn't walk or speak, a special computer allowed him to communicate. And as a young boy, he told his dad, when we run, it feels like my disability goes away. So together, they ran and they ran. Every race, these two men left inspiration in their wake and a powerful and passionate legacy of yes, we can. Why? Because a disabled little boy felt free when he ran and his dad would do anything to give him that feeling. This young boy's passion became his dad's passion and together they accomplished the unthinkable. Like Paul, Rick's circumstances didn't stop him from pursuing his passion. He persevered with the help of his dad. Ladies, this can be our legacy as well. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we can use our unwavering passion to accomplish the unthinkable, not because we need to do things to earn our salvation, but because we get the privilege of living out and sharing the gift that God gave to us. Because as Alistair Begg said, if dependence is the objective, then weakness is an advantage.